Welcome to HubShot's episode 120, Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, strategies for growing your market results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot's CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. This episode, we think through buyer profiles and buyer personas, plus a bunch of HubSpot tips and tricks. Welcome to HubShots. My name is Ian Jacob from Search to Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really good, and I've had a good week, actually. Caught up with Mads Nielsen and Varun Bandaka from uh, HubSpot this week, so it was good yes, jumping into the HubSpot Sydney office. Yes, I was supposed to be there today, but I didn't go. <laughs> they missed out. You missed out. I missed out. Yeah, so well, that might lead us into actually shot one, inbound thought of the week. That's right. So about- what, what was the pearl of wisdom that Varun gave Well, me, thanks, Craig. Varun, for this reminder. He reminded me about the importance of having like your ideal client avatar or persona, but also the difference between buyer profiles mm. and buyer personas. So I thought that Correct. might be an interesting thing just to chat through on the show. And there is a great blog post from Lauren Hintz, who was here in Sydney a while back and now is in Boston, where she says how to define your ideal buyer profile. Now, two things here that I said to you before, Craig, buyer profile and buyer persona, one's more marketing related, one's more sales related. And you said it's really both strategy related, which is true. And I think we're talking about sales. You'll find in the sales training, they talk about the ideal buyer profile. So like who are those businesses or type of businesses you're going after what do they look like how big are they what are their revenue goals how long have they been around what sort of marketing budgets do they have where they're located those are all a part of that buyer profile as opposed to a persona yeah which is getting more specific it's probably the kind of person that you're reaching out to within your ideal buyer or company so yeah that is a good actual post that we've referenced in the show notes worth a read through and they'll talk through some of the differences. But I was actually thinking it's it's interesting, the whole personas discussion. because, yes. And we've linked to a few of these in previous shows. But the discussion around personas is changing. And there is kind of that traditional persona. And you'll go through this with the HubSpot persona tool, for example, which is very prescriptive. You know, it's kind of trying to get inside the head of that mm. person, that fictional kind of representation. And that has its uses. But you'll see many posts these days kind of, trying to give differing views or get away from that kind of traditional persona. And we thought it was worth mentioning a few of those in the show as well. So there's a good one from Siri Interactive. And I remember Impact Branding, I think that's one we linked to a couple of weeks ago. But the Siri Interactive one, good post here from Kia Street, and she talks really about behavioural personas. So kind of working out what they do on your site and building a persona around that. So it's not so much, you know, their demographics, age, gender, how much do they earn, where do they hang out, all that kind of traditional stuff. More, it's like, what are they doing on your site? That's a persona. And so, for example, one of the ones they highlight there is, say, someone's looking for a job. So that's a persona, a job seeker. And really, their behavior dictates what they do. And what I thought really good point from that article was, well, the way you respond is, well, maybe they just need a lead flow right at the top that drops down, apply for jobs here, whereas someone else with a different kind of behavioural approach is really getting guided through a journey on the site. So I think that's a good way to look look at it. Absolutely. I think I was listening to not something too long ago, I think from Talia Wolf, and she was interviewing someone that actually said there is a kind of persona that they wanted. And because they were a very analytical company and they love numbers and they used a lot of numbers on their site, 
what they did was they actually made more of their content like that. So people that didn't like numbers or weren't skewed towards that were actually really put off by the whole site because that's not the people that they want to deal with. So that was another way they used their content to right. weed up people. Yeah, I think that's really good. And well, what I wanted to offer, I guess, in, as part of this discussion as well, is two other ways that we're thinking about personas. The first is to think in pain points. So with some clients, not with all, so it's not a fit for all, but with some clients we say, uh, rather than thinking through, you know, Mary Marketer or whatever. Sale Sam. Sale Sam. It's really around pain points. Yes. And so instead of Mary Marketer, it's really just someone wants leads. Their pain point is they want leads. Or their pain point, whatever it is, highlight that. So yes. we're dealing with a legal company and the pain point is managing cases internally. So mm. that's the pain point. It could be a job title that goes with it and there could be roles and things yes. like that. But it was really around the pain point. That defines the persona and that defines the content that they build out for it. So that was one way. But then the second way that I kind of wanted to mention, and we're doing this a lot more, is really around interests. And that's because a lot of the testing we do is driven by Facebook. And so when you're building Facebook audiences for testing, quite often the audiences are built based on interests. Yes. So rather than trying to say this is a particular person or age or demographic, we actually say this is their interests. We test on that. We test audiences in different paid advertising with Facebook. We see what converts and then we tweak content related to that interest. And it's only then later we go back and analyze those audiences because, you know, Facebook gives you the breakdown. Then we can start getting some of that demographic or socioeconomic information later. So it's quite interesting that that comes later rather than at the front building the persona. So hopefully that's interesting. And thanks, Varun, for kind of triggering that whole, you know, um, refreshing of our memory around that whole topic. Absolutely. So we encourage you to actually go back and visit your buyer personas and also your ideal buyer profiles. All right, on to our HubSpot tip of the week, Craig. Well, speaking of personas, I just thought I'd be interested to highlight how you can get to the personas tool in HubSpot because I was actually with a client the other day. I was going, oh, we just, here's your persona. Oh, how do you get to personas again? Oh, go to the dashboard. Okay, personas, like click through. I think through. it's one of those default widgets on the dashboard. Yeah, it is. So that's the right way. Right at the bottom. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is how we get. Oh, surely there's an easier. Yeah, it is. All you do is go to contact settings and start typing in persona and it'll give you the contact setting property or the contact property and then you can click through to personas and that's how you get the persona tool. Yes. So a quick little tip there if you're always trying to work out how to get to personas in HubSpot. Correct. All right, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is the ability to set a featured image. Now you could do this on blog posts for a while and it's just appeared in web pages and landing pages. And the reason they're doing this is so when you share it on social, it's actually a image that goes along with that page or the landing page. And they used a really interesting stat to sell this new feature. They said that, so Facebook posts with images see 2.3 times more engagement than those without images. That's one of the drivers to doing this. So you'll actually notice if you're using the tool and I I actually couldn't uh, publish one of the pages because I didn't have a featured image set or it wasn't selected. And I didn't kind of dawn on me why so I just kind of selected it. And now today after preparing the show notes, I'm like, oh, that's the reason why. And so it kind of, because I think we, we work in the tool and we work in blog posts and we see things that are very similar and didn't really click. But Yeah. Well, actually worth mentioning that with this new feature, it's on by default. Correct. So it slides on to say yes. that you must use a featured image. So you can turn it off if you don't want to see that's it. That's right. But uh, just a quick tip. I only thought of this now as you highlighted it, but 
if you've actually already published a web page and you've shared it to Facebook and it's got an old image in it and now you've set your featured image on your page in HubSpot, but it's not pulling that one through to Facebook. The reason for that is because Facebook has cached what it thinks the featured image is. And so even though you've updated it on the page mm. or the landing page, it'll still use the old image. And there is a way to get around. You've actually, you can Google this, go Facebook debugger. We'll put a link in the show right. notes for it. But you can actually go any URL you can put into the Facebook debugger and you can clear it out. Oh. So you can kind of clear the cached featured image. So That's like, that's like the bonus tip of the week. Yeah, we'll right. call out the bonus tip of the week. And we get this from clients all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm sharing this post to Facebook. It's pulling in this other image. Why is it doing this? Well, here's why. It's because Facebook's cached the old one. So you can Google Facebook debugger. Pull it up, you just put in your URL and go um, refresh and it'll pull through the new featured image. So whenever it's shared from then on, it'll use the new image. Excellent. All right, marketing tip of the week, Craig. This is a little tool that I've been using for quite a while. It's called webpagetest.org. So you can actually run a test on websites and see whether there's any performance problems. It does a really good job of giving you information as to where things are slow because it does a kind of like a waterfall graph. And you'll find there are other services that do that, but this one's relatively easy to use and has multiple test locations. That's one of the things I want to highlight. So if you're obviously in the US, use a US location because that's where your traffic's from. If you're in Australia, you can use an Australia location and what um, browser you want to test it on. So there's Chrome, IE, etc. Another thing I want to highlight this is because over time, if you have optimized your site and it's quick, and then you get people working on your website that don't optimize images and, you know, you create, you launch new landing pages and all of a sudden you can find that your site has become fat again. It's a good good way to keep everything in check. Yes. And make sure things are optimized. Oh, look, it happens to the best of us. We took over a site from another um, well-known HubSpot um, agency, and I'm sure I've done this as well in the past. Yeah, and there was a um, hero image that was two megs. I was just like, really? That's right. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> That's right. But this is a good way to keep things in check. Actually, I bet I've done that plenty of times as well. So, yeah, that is a good way to check. Well, nice. All right. And now onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. I was pretty excited when I saw this one. It's about you can actually control your logging and tracking of email settings in your mail. So this is the connection between your email clients. So we use Gmail, for example. And what you can actually do is exclude out particular email addresses that you don't want log. So if you want don't want conversations with your wife or your parents logged into the HubSpot CRM, you can specifically exclude those addresses. I, I actually have put my wife in there exactly. That's right. Yeah, that's a, a good use case, yeah. And you can actually exclude an entire domain. So if, if it's you don't want... So I think by default, because I just looked at mine and I put a screenshot of it, all of your company domain yes. uh, URLs is automatically excluded. So it says to never log that into the system. Because it is annoying. A few times I've responded to people and I just go, oh, it's all in the CRM. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll give you some more use cases for this. If you use like a support ticketing desk exactly. or we use Teamwork for projects. So we're often getting email notifications from Teamwork and you reply to it because that's how you can reply to tasks with, con- oh, it's logging New out. contact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're good ones to uh, exclude as well. Great feature. It is. So definitely go have a look and go and make sure you've set those preferences correctly. All right. Now on to our opinion of the week, Craig. And this is a post from Seth Godin and it talks about powerful metrics with hidden variables. Now I'm going to read the last part of it out because I think this is the crux of it. It says marketers learned a long time ago that people love rankings and daily specials. The best way to boost sales is to put something in a little box on the menu 
And when in doubt, rank things. And sometimes people even make up the rankings. Right. Yeah. And so in the space, we were just chatting about this earlier. I was trying to get my head around it. But he gives some examples of where rankings, Google is a great example. Correct. But uh, could be other things. Um, yeah, iTunes. iTunes recommendations. Yeah. Things uh, on menus. Famous articles, things yeah. like that. They might have meaning, but often they're meaningless. Yet people are accustomed to rankings and they just follow it. So what's number one in Google? We assume that's the best result. Well, most people do. Yes. Marketers might realize that's not actually the case. But people follow it. So, yeah, that's his point there. Excellent. So read the blog post and have a think about it because I think it really provoked thought within with us, I guess. Uh, now onto our podcast of the week, Craig. And this is from this interview that Justin Tang did on Inbound Agency Journey, which I thought was really good. Actually. This was fantastic. So Justin Tang, who we often shout out on the show because he's, he's a super thinker. He's super thinker. Yeah, he's a... I really like the way he thinks and approaches things, quite contrarian. And if you want an insight into his how his brain works, this is a great podcast to do it because he really just talks through his background or history working in ad agencies and yes. then TV and then inbound marketing agencies and his approach to inbound and also tools. You know, he tells it like it is and he calls out what I think is a good call out where he calls out agencies where they kind of might know a bit about a tool or they've bought into the whole tools marketing spiel, but they don't actually know how to do marketing yes. themselves. And I think that is a case with some agencies and a problem with the industry, like all industries have problems. So really, really useful. And it made me think at the end, I was thinking, yeah, good thinking. Yeah. So Definitely. check that out. We've got a link in the show notes. I'll just say that the Inbound Agency Journey podcast is actually one of my, fa- I'm pretty ruthless in getting rid of podcasts that I don't listen to, right? But it's one that's stayed on my podcast. Yeah. I've got about it is very good. 10 that I kind of listen through and that it's a good one. So yeah, <laughs> check out Justin on that. All right. Resource of the week, Craig, growing your YouTube channel. And this is from Back Backlinker. Brian Dean. Yeah, Brian Dean, who we love. And thanks to Sue Ellen for highlighting this to me. It's a long article, but he talks through some of the things he advised Buffer, you know, Buffer app that does the social sharing, for them to grow their YouTube channel. So lots of good tips there really just about doing keyword research about what people are searching for on YouTube and then optimizing your videos to um, rank for those terms. So he does say rank because when we think of YouTube, some people think of it as a social network. Whereas marketers tend to think of it as a search engine. So, yeah, really useful post from Brian Dean. Thanks, Sue Ellen. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Seth Godin in his book, Lynchpin. Are you indispensable? And it says, perhaps your challenge isn't finding a better project or a better boss. Perhaps you need to get in touch with what it means to feel passionate. People with passion look for ways to make things happen. That's a really good quote. I'll just say, I don't like the word passion. I think it's overused. You know, you know when you hear people say, I'm really passionate about technology or something like that. They don't with that accent. <laughs> I don't know why I chose that accent. But, you know, they'll say something like, yes. I'm passionate about this. I'm like, passionate? What, what does passionate mean? That might be more of a reflection on how jaded <laughs> I am with something. But in spite of my aversion to the word passionate, I prefer the word curious or interested. People that are really curious about a topic and it excites them, gives them vitality, they will find solutions. And that's how, that's how we progress. That's exactly. how we push forward. Yeah. And finally, our bonus link of the week is a ManyChat course using chatbots. So I encourage you if, you, if you want to learn more about chatbots and how to use them and configure them and so on, here's a great course from ManyChat. 
Yes. So. Which is about to be integrated with HubSpot. Yeah. So we're here. <laughs> we're just waiting. <laughs> yeah. Any quarter now. Yeah, it'll be there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good one. And finally, we'd love for you to leave us any reviews on iTunes and any feedback and join our Facebook group if you want to ask any questions and be a part of the community. And until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.